Welcome to the CBIA BizCast powered by Google. I'm Amanda Marlowe, and today on our podcast, we're here with Bill Smith, the founder and president of Infinity Fuel Cell and Hydrogen right here in Windsor. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We're so happy to have you here. It's a really exciting time for your team here at Infinity. I know you guys have been, you know, working on so much for so long, and it seems like there's a lot coming together right now. Just on October 8th, you celebrated <laughs> National Hydrogen and Fuel yeah. Cell Day. And then you've also recently been part of uh, a big scientific experiment launching a fuel cell into space. So I'll let you kind of tell me about what you've been working on. Okay, sure. Um, you know, as you noted about National Hydrogen Day, that was 10.08, or the atomic number of hydrogen, 1.008. And we had a celebration here where we brought all the employees together along with uh, several members of our congressional delegation to kind of recognize the employees, recognize the team for the advances they've been able to make over the past few years. Uh, and to kind of celebrate the direction of the overall industry. And specifically on that, that program that we recently um, flew, it was a NASA, it is a NASA-funded tipping point program, it's called. And that's a program designed to help transition technologies from research and development to products. And in that program, we had to go through the, the rigors of designing and building a complete fuel cell system that was built to um, NASA Johnson Space Flight Center requirements, uh, their engineering handbook uh, for human spaceflight rated products. And we did that. And we then took that product and we put it through rigorous shock and vibration testing at NASA. And then we installed it aboard a Blue Origin New Shepard launch vehicle, um, Jeff Bezos's company, Blue Origin. And that was launched on September 12th. Now, it did have a launch anomaly, as probably you and your viewers may recognize, and that at about, I think it was about 20,000, 27,000 feet, there was an anomaly that required separation of the capsule aboard the top of that and the booster. And the booster returned to Earth and, you know, did not, not in the way it was intended to, um, but it did so safely. And the capsule, though, was safely brought down to Earth after boosting away from the, uh, the anomaly and landed safely in the desert. We didn't know what we would find when we investigated our system because it wasn't really designed for that environment completely, but it turned out that it had operated properly before the launch, it had operated during the boost phase, it had operated during the separation phase, and it operated on the way down, all the way through landing, and when we finally got it back here, we saw that we acquired all the data that we were hoping, that we, hoping to get, that we could get on that shortened flight which maybe in some ways even tested it more than the original plan. So we were delighted with that data. We were delighted with a being able to develop a system that can provide uh, safe operation throughout that rigorous flight. And uh, now we're moving on to one final stage of the program where we're testing it in a thermal vacuum down at NASA Johnson Space Flight Center to simulate the conditions in outer space. And this is something that you've been really working we, on for a long time. We started working on the basic core technology about 2005, believe it or not. Okay. And uh, NASA has funded this since its very early stages of development under small business programs throughout uh, other programs that they had that were focused on the Constellation program landing on the moon in 2008, and then through continuing programs since then. And it turns out other, other organizations too in the federal government have supported it because it turns out that the same technology 
is very useful for use underwater, another air-independent application, an application where you don't have access to outside air. And so we've been funded by the U.S. Navy in various programs developing the same core technology uh, toward product status underwater, and that helps both underwater and space. Yeah, and so you were really diving into those two areas. Yep. One quite literally. Right, diving in, especially for the Navy. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's it seems like this is, you know, coming kind of full, full circle from what you've always wanted to do. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I do want to give the shout out. You're a Connecticut person, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. UConn grad in right. physics. Right, And then you got your MBA um, from UMass. Yeah, over the line at UMass, yeah. <laughs> Not too far, Not right? Not too far. Um, so just how, how, tell us how you got here. Um, well, I've been involved in space programs in one way or another since about 1978. I uh, was working then for a company called Perkin Almer. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but Perkin Almer was located in the Wilton, uh, Norwalk, Danbury area. And at Perkin Almer, we built the Hubble Space Telescope. And maybe most people don't know, but that was a Connecticut product. It is a Connecticut product, and it's still up there and functioning well. And um, that's when I first got involved in that. And then I was recruited to come up here to this area around, around Windsor, Windsor Locks, to work for Hamilton Standard, as it was called back in the day, and eventually went to work for their space department there, Space and Sea Systems Department. And at Hamilton Standard, now it's called Collins, uh, we made uh, many different systems, life support systems for the space shuttle, for um, space station. Back in the day, they made life support systems for the Apollo program. Uh, many of the, the folks that I knew there were the ones that were on the receiving end of those 3 a.m. phone calls for Apollo 13. So that was a wonderful experience, and that's where I first got involved in developing uh, fuel cells and electrolyzers for these space and military applications. Um, and then in 19... 96, uh, a group of us were interested in trying to commercialize it, looking to extend beyond the kind of space applications we'd been involved in. And so myself and three others from Hamilton started a company called Proton Energy Systems, which is located in Wallingford, Connecticut today. Mm -hmm. And today it's part of a larger electrolyzer company called NEL, a Norwegian electrolyzer company. But uh, that was a very good experience. We started this company using venture capital and we were able to take it public on the NASDAQ in 2000. And in the process, uh, we built a company of, I think about 100, 150 employees and it's still doing very well today. And what made you transition from that? At, uh, at the time I left there in 2002, uh, Proton was primarily focusing on industrial applications, which was great but I kind of was missing the excitement of space applications and military applications. So I, I was able to leave there and then start this company. And we've been doing this ever since. And you may find us coming around full circle eventually and getting back into the commercial hydrogen generation business at some point. Yeah, so you really always had that interest in the space yep. um, industry, I guess. Mm -hmm. And now you're coming back in to, to figure out where you yeah. can continue to help it, right? Yeah. Um, you know, Connecticut, obviously, we've got some big fuel cell players. Um, it's really, Connecticut's been a leader in the fuel cell industry. How do you see it, Where? how do you see it right now, and, and where do you see Connecticut going with fuel cell? Connecticut has been the cradle of many of the different fuel cell technologies. Uh, UTC Power, now it's owned by Doosan, has you know, created phosphoric acid fuel cells for uh, 
kind of baseload power generation since, God, I think the 60s or 70s. Uh, they also were the supplier of the space shuttle fuel cell and the Apollo fuel cells. Um, and now they're owned by the Korean company Doosan. Fuel cell energy, um, you know, they're also making uh, large fuel cells for baseload power, natural gas powered fuel cells. Uh, my old company Proton still exists in making large electrolyzers. Uh, so I, I think that this area is going to continue to grow and be very important in the fuel cell and hydrogen generation area and partly pulled along by the global demand that's increasing for these products because hydrogen and fuel cells can play a really important part in creating a carbon-free future and doing it in a way that really doesn't impact anybody's lifestyle. In fact, make the, makes your lifestyle even better by having cleaner air and at the same time helping to control climate change. And how does Infinity differ from some of those other names? Well, we practice primarily hydrogen, oxygen, proton exchange membrane fuel cells. Now, as everybody knows, or doesn't know, <laughs> there's a lot of different kinds of fuel cells. Yeah. Uh, but this type, they call uh, proton exchange membrane fuel cells, use a, an interesting piece of material. It's called Nafion. It's a basically a Teflon-type material that's had been treated with sulfon, uh, sulfuric acid-type compounds that allows it to act like battery acid but it's completely safe to the touch. And you can build that up into electrochemical systems then that are very compatible with the environment. Unlike a battery, you're not gonna leak you know, battery acid anywhere. It's completely safe. And it operates at low temperature and it can be started and stopped. So it's very, very good for mobile applications that require that kind of flexibility. Some of the larger systems that I just mentioned, phosphoric acid, molten carbonate, solid oxide, mm -hmm. they are larger baseload type systems that want to be turned on and left on as long as possible because that's where you're going to operate with peak efficiency. You won't see those in mobile applications. You do see and will see our style fuel cell in mobile applications. Okay. Now we're working primarily hydrogen oxygen, but we're going to be expanding to hydrogen air as well. Uh, and our focus is also on aerospace. And there's not many other fuel cell companies that have been focused on aerospace. And so that's a niche that we're building for ourselves. And um, so your work with NASA really has kind of started from the beginning. You were doing mm -hmm. a lot of R&D at first. Right. We were, we were doing R&D under a series of programs called Small Business Innovation Research Programs, or SBIRs. And uh, there you're, they're funded for small amount, very small amount in the beginning, what's called a phase one, and then quite a bit more in what's called a phase two. Then after that, you're able to be funded really for much larger programs, multi-million dollar programs, in phase three they're called, uh, with the idea being that you've, since you've already competed this, you don't need to continue to compete it, you can just be funded as long as your work benefits the government. Okay, and beyond NASA and in AIR, <clears throat> what other areas are you working? You mentioned, I think a little bit at the beginning, underwater. Mm -hmm. We are working actively underwater. There's uh, The US Navy is looking at developing a new generation of unmanned underwater vehicles, uh, just as the, the Air Force has unmanned drones that fly and you know, be able to, are able to operate for long periods of time, the Navy wants to do that with a new series of unmanned underwater vehicles. And that allows them the flexibility to put assets out to sea to conduct missions that could last up to you know, several months. Um, and that they can't do that right now with batteries. So this gives them a new capability. And they've been investing, the Navy has been investigating this for many years as well. And that's beginning to actually uh, make some good progress and get out to sea, we hope. 
And it also has commercial application okay. because in addition to the military needing to put assets underwater, uh, other operators, such people that need to inspect uh, gas pipelines, oil pipelines, such as the, that Nord Stream, Nord Stream 2 that was uh, interrupted in Europe, you, many, you have to keep track of all these assets underwater. And they do that using unmanned vehicles because it's many thousands of feet down. And doing it with a fuel cell powered vehicle can be quite economically advantageous as opposed to doing it with a battery vehicle that has to go up and down all the time. And these are, you know, relatively smaller. They're not They're not full they're not submarines. They're not giant submarines. Yeah. They might be, you know, 20, 30 feet long at the larger ones and maybe, you know, four or five feet in diameter. Is that one of the benefits too? It's it's a small, like compact system that can generate all of this? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, you guys are a smaller company. Mm -hmm. You've been around since 2002. Right. Um, how do you, you know, with the size of your company, how do you manage the um, R&D aspect, but then kind of turn that into putting out product? <laughs> right now, we're going through a growth spurt. Okay. And, you know, we're, we're transitioning and hiring more people and looking for actually a capital resources to continue hiring more people to do exactly that. You know, our small research team, when we were maybe 10 to 20 people, could do those programs when that what was required was to develop a technology, test it, and write a report, uh, and maybe maybe a little bit of a life test. Mm -hmm. You know, now we're developing products that are going out to the field that have to meet all of the requirements for product, uh, operate properly in the beginning, operate for long periods of time, operate in rugged environments, you know, and that that's a few steps up from what we'd done before. And to do that, we've been hiring and we've been hiring basically all areas of engineering and operations and administration to make that happen. And fortunately, I think other people share the excitement that we have for this mission. And even as small as we are, we are able to attract people that simply because of the, the inter their interest in this mission, their interest in the ability of this to help with climate change in the future too. And that was kind of my segue into my next question. We talked <laughs> okay. about this labor shortage. Are you having any issues or you think because it's such it, an interesting, <laughs> I mean, you're it, on the, the it, edge of so th that's, much. That's what's happened. The, um, you know, we compete with Collins. We compete with, you know, electric boats, other large employers in the area. And, you know, we provide, I think, good pay and good benefits, but maybe not as good as theirs. Uh, so what we do offer, though, is an exciting mission. And that, I think, has attracted many of the people. And that's the kind of person that we want to attract here. We want them to be excited about what we're doing. We don't want somebody just coming here to get a paycheck. You know, we want somebody here that shares our enthusiasm and excitement. And that, has, that actually has made a difference. Um, you know, it, but it is still a challenge. You know, I wish the la you know, if the labor pool was bigger, it'd be a little easier. But it's been an, enough of an attraction to help us get what we need so far. And I kind of want to go back a little bit. I know, you know, you talked about Connecticut and, mm -hmm. and where Connecticut is <clears throat> in fuel cell um, research and, and development, really. Um, where, I know you sit on a number of different boards. Is that kind of how you stay connected to other things that are going around? You're, you're on Connecticut's um, yeah. and the region as well. Yeah, that, I mean, that is an, an important thing. Uh, I am serving on a, a governor's commission related to exploring hydrogen uh, and its role in Connecticut, both for jobs and applications. Uh, and, and that always helps build your network. Uh, also, we, I've been able to be invited to serve on other boards, such as an FAA board that was created to help write fuel cell uh, rules for fuel cells to be put aboard commercial transport aircraft. And all of that 
helps you network into the community and you know share an ideas and that's that's always very stimulating and i think that that will just continue and that's good for really any of our employees to reach out and do yeah i'm sure it really helps keep everybody excited yep. and knowledgeable about all of the new stuff yep. even though you guys are doing a lot of the the new programs and testing yourselves and kind of moving into the future you started small you're mm-hmm. growing you're growing what do you think's next for for infinity and, and your team here well uh, as i mentioned you know we're we're planning to do a capital raise starting early next year and we hope that gives us the resources then to build out our facilities right now we're operating out of two facilities with a total of about fifteen thousand square feet we could really use fifty to a hundred thousand square feet to really kind of implement our plans we plan to take our hydrogen oxygen products to market complete productionization of those and then we plan to extend that into hydrogen air systems that could be used aboard aircraft, could be used aboard heavy vehicles, could be used aboard marine craft or even trains. So there's a large markets there that we're, we're planning to open up. And then, you know, because of our relationship with many of those users, that I think that will be a logical thing to do. And then we also plan to be expanding into commercial electrolysis, uh, much like my previous company, Proton. But our niche there may be something for uh, generating hydrogen directly at pressure. One of the the nice things is when you take this material here, good old water, and you electrolyze it in one of our electrolyzers, you can do that directly at pressure without mechanical compression. You do it electrochemically without any moving parts. So you put low pressure water in one side and get high high pressure hydrogen out the other side. And that seems to have some application that is unique that we can serve. Okay, great. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? (laughs) <laughs> I think, you know, one of the things that, that, you know, I'm really excited about, in addition to just, you know, space is cool. That's fun. Uh, it really is. And, um, you know, I was, I was at that launch that I talked about. Yeah. And, you know, that was inspiring. And, and it was memorable, for sure. To be able to watch a project, you know, product that you, you've been working on for years, and the team here has been working on, the team has done a great job on, and to watch that lifting off towards space, and then having an anomaly and then, you know, going through the emotions of, oh, my God, and then coming down and finding out, hey, it worked out okay. You know, that, that's amazing. I um, bet that time period between <laughs> that day and when you guys got it back here, we're like, wow, what we did get was yeah. tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, were, we were wondering what we were going to get. Would we get a bucket of parts back or would it be useful? But it worked out beautifully. The yeah. design job worked out the the software programming the electronics everything worked just the way it was supposed to so that that was exciting that was memorable but in addition to those kinds of exciting things i am i think i'm inspired by the way the whole world is looking at hydrogen as a solution for climate change as a big part of the solution if not not the whole solution but a big part of the solution so that you know people of younger generations can look ahead and say you know it'll be okay you know, we can, we can get through this period of time where carbon is causing the issues that it's causing and look ahead to a bright future where you can live much the way you live today or even better. And, you know, hydrogen and fuel cells can play a major part in, you know, solving the, the climate change issues. So I guess that's where the name infinity came from, <laughs> right? Infinite opportunity. <laughs> I guess, infinity fuel, you know. <laughs> Yeah. It, it kind of fits, yeah. <laughs> so we're excited to see what you guys continue to do. And you, your team seems like you have a, 
a great team here who's excited to continue to expand. Yeah, I think we do. You know, I'm impressed with the, I'm impressed with the, the team, the enthusiasm of the team. And, you know, I just hope I can serve the team and help keep the company growing. All right. Well, next time we'll hopefully be in a different space <laughs> and, yep. um, you know, something bigger. Um, as we continue to learn what you guys do. Okay, great. Thank you so much for coming on this week's podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you. Okay. And thank you for listening to this week's BizCast. You can listen and subscribe on Apple or YouTube. And for more episodes, head on over to CBIA.com.